Hi, beautiful, and welcome to Self Carve, a podcast all about self love and success. I'm your host, Ivana Ritchie, and I'm here because I want you to have it all. I don't want you to settle for less. I want you to carve yourself and create the life of your dreams. And because of this, not only will I be sharing my knowledge with you, but I'll be inviting some amazing women who are all highly successful and they will be sharing their stories with you as well. A woman who's self-carved knows that there is nothing she can do to change her past, but that she has all the power and all the magic to create the best version of herself and attract anything that she desires from a man to money to whatever, right? So I'm so happy that you're here. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of Self Carved. Today I'm with Viola Hug, a multi-passionate entrepreneur who's an author, who is an intuitive business coach, who's a podcast coach, um, podcast host, and uh, she is a mentor. She loves to talk about nutrition and taking care of yourself. Like you can hear, she does a lot. So I'm really honored that she's here with us today to share about her life and her expertise. So thank you so much, Viola, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Awesome, awesome. So let's start talking about a little bit about all the different things that you do. What is the main reason that you do what you do? Uh, that's a really good question. I mean, um, like you mentioned in the introduction that you gave me, thank you so much, by the way. Um, I um, do a lot, but it's all, it's been like this journey of evolution. So it doesn't really feel like a lot to me in the space that I'm at right now. Like it feels like everything's exactly in place where it's meant to be. I started off uh, with a passion for nutrition and wellness. And I think I've always had in my heart that I wanted to kind of pursue my goals and be an entrepreneur. I just didn't really know what that meant or what that looked like at the time. It was just like this inner call for freedom, this inner call to make an impact. And um, yeah, so my journey actually got inspired by, um, in terms of nutrition, got inspired because when I was 16, I lost my dad to cancer. And the following years, I was introduced to a lot of the connection between lifestyle and disease. And so I got really obsessed with this because I was like, if there is something that we need to, you know, if there's something we can do, I want to figure it out for myself and my loved ones. And then I need to tell the world. And then as I, you know, I did a Bachelor of Science in Nutrition and I um, was, yeah, really excited to work in that world. And as I started working in that world, I realized that, you know, good health and feeling good in your body. It's really like most enjoyable when you're actually doing what you love. So that kind of evolved into more entrepreneurship and coaching people to follow their heart and starting businesses. And that's really how it all started for me. But it's, yeah, this real passion. It's like this inner calling that I can't really explain. I just know in my heart that I love what I'm doing and that I want to keep growing and I keep want to follow down this path regardless where it goes. And yeah, just liberate and um, work with as many amazing people on that path. So it kind of spreads out like a ripple effect. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's pretty cool. So it started with nutrition and it turned into something so much deeper. Uh, you talk mm-hmm. a lot about, I see you talk a lot about um, like your soul and what fires your soul up, who is your soul client and mm-hmm. what, what, what exactly does that mean to somebody who may be confused about what their soul is all about? 
Mm, good question. Yeah. I like to think of it that we have like, you know, we hear a lot about like the mind, body, soul and that kind of thing. And it's like for so long in my life, I led a really like intelligent and heart led business or I was led mostly in my life by my heart and my mind. And what I mean by that is that I was in it for the love of it. You know, I really cared about what I was doing and I cared about other people and um, that's perfect. I think that's so important. And I was really smart about what I was doing. You know, I was learning the right things. I was doing all the personal development. I was taking the courses. I was smart intellectually about what I was doing, you know, um, in, in terms of the fact that I was like, you know, just using the strategy and using what I knew that, that I could learn with my mind. Um, and for a very long time in entrepreneurship for, so in 2012, I started my first business. And for the first five years, I was essentially like the struggling entrepreneur archetype where I couldn't really ever get off the ground. Um, and you know, like I had short little spurts of success, but nothing that was really uh, sustainable, but I never had that feeling to, to give up. It was kind of just recalibrating what I was doing, trying to learn new things. And then in around 2015 and 16, I kind of started being introduced to like this whole idea of like our connection with ourselves and li listening to our inner intuition and souls and all of these amazing things. And um, what I realized is that there's this real missing piece, which is the soul that I talk about, which for me, I believe that our heart and our mind, they're really important components, but they're also kind of like our very human components, which means that when we're operating purely out of those places, we kind of limit ourselves because also our heart can get tired and it feels pain so deeply and um you know we can kind of make decisions from emotional places that may not be guiding us the best way or with our mind as well we can get really overwhelmed or we can only see what we can conceive right like it's only what what's in front of us that we can tell but our soul is this connection to this infinite wisdom and it's um, been around a lot longer than we have <laughs> in my mind and so it's kind of this like um, divine guidance, this kind of um, pull in the right direction, um, this inner knowing of taking away the limitations that we feel like when, because in my experience, like when I started having excess, success story with um, business, it was actually because I started to notice that um, I was making decisions from a different place. So like, for example, logically on paper, I'd be like, okay, this doesn't really make sense, <laughs> but mm -hmm. I just have this feeling this like inner knowing that it's the right idea and that, um, I should pull myself in this direction. So it was like, I couldn't always make sense of it in my mind. I was scared. My heart was scared. Like I'd rather just chill and watch Netflix, <laughs> but then, um, my soul kind of was pulling me in that direction. And so that's really, I think, where the soul component comes in. It's being able to help you see a bigger picture for yourself, like help you see yourself as the person that you are really meant to be versus who you are in this moment and guide you towards becoming that person. And then when I talk about things like soul clients, um, that's really just connecting with other people's soul energy who you're meant to work with. So, I mean, in, in a more business strategy terminology, that would be like your ideal customer avatar. <laughs> for me, I just have more of a connection with talking about our, our real connection because I do believe that the people we're meant to work with were really, really meant to work with, you know? Right, right, right. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it sounds to me like you're saying that we're so, and we tend to be so focused on the things that we that we see that we're that are tangible, uh, but we don't we don't take the time to really tap into ourselves. And I've found that a lot of a lot of people, especially women, kind of live in between because of their past and because of their experiences. They kind of live in between their desires. They live in in between 
wanting to be fully joyful and free. So they're kind of like in between and fearful of taking that step. And when you talk about this, that you're more in tune with this, what, when, what, what, what happened in your life? What, what was the first step that you took or did it develop over time? Was it something that you did that helped you tap into this? Yeah, it was, um, it was a lot of slowing down, you know, like, so my, um, I guess like my whole life, I've always had this example of hard work and working really hard to have what you want. Like I never really had any entrepreneurial who were working in jobs like my parents and um, the people around me had to do to even just survive. And my logical mind said, if you have to work that hard, you know, 40 hours plus stress, plus all the things to be able to just survive, you've got to work double that to, to be able to really thrive in life. You know, it was kind of just the way that my young mind perceived that. And I, I don't think I noticed it at the time, but it came out when I did become an entrepreneur because I was always having this pull or this drive to have to work, work, work and get work done and do this and that. And kind of when I look back at myself, I feel like I was like that hamster in a wheel, just like spinning, 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 but not necessarily going anywhere because I was just filling my space with stuff rather than actually slowing down and listening to what, um, I, I felt was good for me and not being caught up in what other people's expectations were of me or what other people thought I should do or what was going on around me. So a big part of what really started to shift for me is I, I don't really remember exactly how it happened, but I feel like it was definitely like a divine timing of all of these series of events that happened. You know, I met the right person that said the right thing to me and I had the right experience. I had the right challenge come up that kind of led me to this point where I was questioning what I, um, what I was doing and not from a space of like that I thought I was doing anything wrong, but it was like more that I was seeing like a new evolution for myself. I was seeing a new path. And for the first time I was really feeling the courage to just follow through with it, regardless of what anyone else thought it was kind of like, Nope, now I need to focus on me. <laughs> so it was coming back to myself a little bit more coming back to what felt really good for me. And, um, yeah, and then slowing down to be able to listen. And I mean, I, in terms of some tangible tips, I started meditating and I know this is such a, like an overused recommendation, but there's a reason, right? Like I feel like people always expect the things that change your life to be these massive things when we totally underestimate what small things applied consistently can do for our life. And so meditation was one of those things. Just every morning I close my eyes for five minutes. There's no rules. Like I wasn't doing anything fancy. Like, you know, like we imagine people in like a cave meditating I was just closing my eyes and listening to my thoughts and um when I could start listening to my thoughts then suddenly I could find more clarity in what I was thinking and then that um I, you know after a while I started to notice how that impacted me throughout the whole day um within a few weeks and so that was one of the ways that I really started to slow down and I would journal what I was thinking and I would just yeah really trust that inner feeling it's like if this is what I want to do I have to trust that and find a way to make it happen Right, right, right. That, 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 does, that does make a lot of sense. So slowing down in this busy world, because I, I see so many people complaining about that they don't have the time and they're constantly serving or uh, they're all, always making time for everybody but themselves. Yeah. It's a huge, uh, a huge part of what you are doing is actually taking care of you so you can yeah. better care of your audience, correct? 
Yeah. And it's such a catch 22 as well, because I remember that feeling like if people are in that feeling where it's like, it feels too busy and you're putting yourself on the back burner. Like I know what that's like. And I remember when I was first being introduced to meditation and stuff, I heard a quote and it said like, everyone should meditate 30 minutes a day. And if you don't have 30 minutes a day, you need to meditate for 60 minutes a day. I was like, that makes no sense. Like, what are you talking about? Like, how am I going to find 30 minutes? And I was not meditating for 30 minutes when I started. Like I said, it was even just five minutes, two minutes. And what I noticed is that five minutes went by so fast. I was like, oh my gosh, like that went by so fast that suddenly I could do 10 minutes and so on. But um, it, it was, yeah, it's this, this feeling of like, I can't do it. Or this feeling of this already so much on, like, what do you expect from me? But if you just find those moments where you can squeeze it in, like even if you're sitting on the toilet and you just give yourself 30 seconds to breathe and close your eyes, or if you're driving in the car or on the bus, like you can find those little pockets of time just to get conscious with your thoughts. Like it doesn't really take a lot, but it's about starting somewhere because it's weird how time can stretch and shift and change for you as well. Because I definitely found that I felt I had more time once I, um, yeah, once I found that space in my own head. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of takes me to my next question. Uh, what is your view on routines? This is a lot about how to manage your time, what to do in the morning, what to do in the evening. What are yours other than meditation? And what, what is your view of, uh, about uh, routines? Do you think that people should have them create their own, own or just in general? I think there's definitely a beauty in routines and in doing um, practices and things like that are, that are going to be nourishing for you and that you know are going to move you ahead. But my personal belief for me right now is I don't actually have anything that I set for myself because I feel the best when I have freedom to do what feels really, really good for me. Hmm. In saying that, there was a time when if I did that, I wouldn't do stuff. <laughs> you know, so if I said like, oh, I'll just meditate when I feel like it, like I wouldn't do it. And I'm not saying that you even have to meditate every day, but I think that if you were to identify like some rituals that you felt were really important to you and that you know would be helpful for you, like let's say for example, meditation, maybe taking a bubble bath, maybe um, journaling, maybe some time with your partner or some time with your family, or um, maybe it's you know some more admin type stuff that you need to get done that you know is gonna help you in the long run with what it is that you're doing. And then, think about how important it is or how often those things um, are important for you. So for example, like if you have like maybe a weekly bubble bath or something like that for yourself, for self-care, maybe um, most days you'd like to meditate, maybe like, you know, eating well as a most day kind of, you know, a habit or whatever your important pillars are for you. And my personal kind of thing that I like to use as a rule of thumb is that if there's something that's important for you, try not to go more than two days without it you know, depending if it's a daily ritual, if it's something that's weekly, obviously it's different, but, um, so it's like with, um, if you, if you think meditation is important, it's like, yeah, great. If you can do it every day, but if you get caught up and you don't do it, don't beat yourself up. Just try to hold yourself to maybe not, no more than two days without it. If that's something that's really benefiting you at the time. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's really personal and some people work really well structured, like having that structured routine, um, where you wake up and from seven till seven ten you meditate and then seven ten to seven thirty you journal and then seven thirty to eight you eat breakfast. Like if that's what works for you, which when I first started with like identifying what my important pillars were, I had to do that. Otherwise I literally like couldn't bring myself to do it throughout the day. Like I'd always make the excuse I was too busy. Whereas the more that I integrated those things, suddenly it was like, now it's like, it makes sense for me. Now I want to do it. It's not like just this thing. I need to tick off my checklist, you know? Exactly. Exactly. So whatever, whatever you feel works for you, I found yeah. for myself has been, um, consciously breathing as often as I can throughout the day. <laughs> Cause yeah, that's such a good one. It gives me an idea of where I'm at. Um, obviously if I'm, uh, if I'm relaxed, if I'm stressed out or anything like that. And before I used to be like you, uh, like you said that you used to be like, you had to have a very structure, but now obviously I like to do yoga and meditation and I do it. But like you say, I don't truly beat myself up over it because obviously when we do things too structured, we can come kind of robotic. And <laughs> so that's not good either. So I think yeah. That makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I want to touch a little bit more about um, all the different things that you do. Uh, as myself, when I first started off, I was told that I have to have a niche. And uh, there are, I see it all over the internet. And even women that are still in the corporate world that want to transition, they don't really know what to do. Uh, so I thought it was um, obviously liberating to see that you do different things as I stopped holding on onto the idea that I just have to do one thing. Originally, my mm -hmm. husband and I were only coaching couples, but over time I noticed that women were coming to me and they wanted to be coached by me alone about their lives and things like that. So mm -hmm. if somebody is like you or even like me who feels like they want to do more than one thing and they're just starting off, how would they go about it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean, because there's such a huge drive um, in a massive part of the kind of entrepreneurial space that talks about like having your niche and your one specific thing. But for me, I've never vibed with that because to be honest, when I thought about what's my niche, it made me want to throw up because I was like, I don't know how I can ever do one thing and be truly happy just doing one thing, hmm. you know, and it felt so limiting because I would be like, okay, I'll do nutrition. And then I was like, but what about my passion for like helping people like follow their soul? And what about this? And what about that? And I was like, okay, I'll do that. And I was like, but what about that? And so it just never felt right to me. And um, I felt such a massive sigh of relief when I um, really started to play around with this in myself. And I started to notice that my, like when I was talking about soul clients before, like the people that we're here to serve, generally they're people who've been through something similar to us, right? There's something about us that resonates with them. There's something about our journey, our energy, our experience that speaks to them, which is why they want to work with us. Hmm. And if that's true, that means that all, and if we also believe that everything that's happened in our life has led us to where we are now and the person that we are now, chances are that anything that gets you excited, anything that you really enjoy doing is also going to add value to your soul client's life. Now, that doesn't mean suddenly you are an expert in 50 million things, because I do believe the message still needs to be refined somehow. How I personally have done that and how I recommend though, is if you know kind of like ultimately what, what you want to, um, what kind of feeling or what kind of, um, 
kind of like energetic change. I know that sounds really woo woo, but like, um, do you want to make for other people? So an example of that would be rather than being like, I want to help people earn this much money by business coaching them strategy or whatever. Like if that was like a very specific thing, you might more think about, okay, I want to just help people feel like really empowered to become successful in what makes them happy. Like that might be your overall kind of thing that you want to do. And you know what kind of people you want to work with. So you know, you want to work with people who desire um, to have a business. You want to work with this kind of person. When you know what kind of person you want to work with, then suddenly and kind of like the general direction, then suddenly all of those things that you do, all of those things that you are excited about, all those things can actually add value in some way or another. And my personal belief is you have to get in the field, you have to start somewhere, you have to try something to see what actually fits for you. Because when I first started, I had like, oh, this is definitely the kind of coaching I'm going to do. And then after my second client, I was already like, okay, this is what I love. I'm moving more in this direction. And then after my third and fourth client, I was like, okay, like now I'm kind of finding my feet. Now I'm really feeling what it's like. Now I know what I like talking about. Now I know what people are really coming to me for and what, what um, feels good for me. So it was kind of like it only developed because I was out there doing it. Um, and that's the beauty of it as well as you can always evolve um, and um, yeah, and shift, but it's, it really is about um, just getting excited about starting in any space and knowing you can evolve from there. Right, right, right. So would you, for, for the woman who's still working for someone else and she's mm -hmm. wanting to become a coach, what would you tell her? Would you tell her to start a business while continuing to work or save up? And how, how, how do you look at that? What did you do or what would you recommend? That is such an individual thing, to be honest, because I mean, um, if like, if I go around saying, oh, you should quit your job, then it's like the decision doesn't feel your own, right? And I feel like when you truly own whatever decision you make, whether you decide to leave your job and go full-time into business, whether you decide to build it up part-time or whatever you decide to do, if it's your decision, you're really gonna own it. And I think ownership and taking full responsibility of the decisions that you make is a huge, huge important part of entrepreneurship. So I think the decision is really up to you and there's no way that it's, that's wrong. You can be just as successful by starting part-time, by starting online, by starting in person. It doesn't really matter. But I think what's important is that you just, um, if you're, you know, kind of stuck in your head and you don't really know exactly what area you want to start in as a coach, my recommendation is to look back on your journey and really feel like for you to get to this point where you're like, I'm ready to try something new, you know, whether or not you're staying at your job, going part-time or leaving your job, you're like, I got to this decision where I now know that I'm going to follow my dreams. I'm going to, you know, like I've built up enough courage to do this. What's led me to this point of courage? Like, what did I need to go through? Like, where did this courage come from? Where, where, what have I learned that's inspired me? Who have I met that has inspired me? And through that, you're going to kind of start to see a pattern of what you've really owned in your life. You know, maybe you really, um, turn to self-care. Maybe it was that you really learned energetics and energy healing and it's liberated you. Like who knows what it is for you, but you're going to kind of find an area that you feel confident in that you've already applied, that you've already done, that you can kind of start in and you can start there and just, um, yeah, like I said, then from there, you're going to really figure out what actually really, really feels good. And it can involve with you as you grow and go more full time and create more success in everything, what you're doing. Well, that's awesome. I think that's that's pretty neat. Um, a lot of the things that you talk about 
uh, uh, sounds and it really comes off like you need to do what's best for you. So when somebody uh, were, if somebody decides to get coached, you would recommend for that person to have somebody who can truly bring out the best out of them instead of like telling them a certain system. Is that correct? Because I do see a lot of coaches who are obviously I had one myself when I started off and it was so systematic and do it this way, do it that way. And it didn't really, it didn't really feel like myself, if that makes sense. So is that what you think that a person should look in, um, in a, in a coach, somebody who can help them bring out those good parts, connect with their soul and to be able to bring forth who they truly are. I really, really, really agree with that. Yeah, I do think that because we are all so individual and like I'm really interested in things like human design, which kind of talks about like our energetic blueprint and how we move through the world. And when I first learned this, I was like so obsessed because I started to realize that the mentors I was taking at my advice from were telling me what worked for them, for their personality, for their energetic design. And that didn't mean that it was going to necessarily work for me, you know? because I'm a completely different person. And so it's like with coaching, how I like to coach and um, how I like to be coached is I like to know different ideas for strategy. I like to know that the person that I'm working with um, as, you know, if they're my coach or if I'm coaching someone, I like to be able to provide different um, perspectives on different strategies. I like to be able to offer different systems they can look into or things they can learn. And I'm happy to share with what I did. And I mean, the good thing about me is I've tried so many different things in my time that I've got a lot I can share, but you know, I like to share those different perspectives, but I always teach tuning back in to what actually feels the best for you and then giving it a go. Because I think there's also a fine line between, um, what feels good for you because it's within your comfort zone and it's kind of like, Oh, this feels easy versus what actually feels good for you because it's scary. It's big, it's out there, but it's totally in alignment with what you need to be doing. And that's why I also see such value in having a coach because sometimes when you're on your own, you don't even know where you're possibly limiting yourself because it's hard sometimes to see that line when you're on your own. Whereas when you work with a coach, they can kind of see you from a different perspective and they hold you in such a space of love and compassion and, um, and being able to see you in this whole new way, being able to see your potential and then also give you kind of the tough love that you need to hear in order to move past whatever limitations you have. And that's how you can also grow and succeed a lot faster. Mm, that's so deep. And it actually takes me right into my second question, which was about limitations. So not too long ago, I think it was a few months ago, you published uh, your book, You're an Abundant Babe, right? I've Ooh. read it off and it was amazing um, it was an easy read but it had so much debt and something that really stuck out to me that was that you were saying that we have abundance that because we are abundant but that we create limitations which you were just talking about can you just expand mm-hmm. on that a little more because I think this is a huge piece that a lot of women need to really understand in order to elevate in their lives mm, yeah I love this concept. It made me feel so liberated when I learned it or kind of, I guess I more discovered it for myself (laughs) um, through my journey, but it was, um, it's this whole concept that really like, I believe at our blueprint, like our soul's blueprint is one of worthiness and success and abundance and all of these amazing things. Like there's no way you would ever look at a newborn baby and be able to look at it and be like, okay, you're worthy of success. And next one, nope, you're not, 
you're worthy of love and nope, you're not. Like when a baby comes fresh into this world, they are so worthy and they are so deserving of success and love and all of the things because on a, this is deep, but on a very, very deep soul level, like that's really who we are. And we have this um, unlimited potential. And I mean, regardless of what your beliefs are, I really truly believe that we all have an incredible potential that's waiting to be unleashed within us. And, and it's kind of like this limitless potential as well, where we can keep growing and every new um, stage we grow into offers a new level of growth and fulfillment and happiness and success and all of these wonderful things. The, the problem is that so many people, when they reach this stage where they maybe want to start um, creating success for themselves or doing more of what they're fulfilled, and they suddenly, they don't often feel that sense, right? Or they look around in their current environment and they see, say, well, I'm not worthy of success because I don't have it. Or I'm not abundant because I don't have abundance in my life. And it's like we create this limitation for ourselves based on what we can see in our external circumstance. But that's not actually true because when you came into this world, you were worthy. So what happened in between is most likely as you were growing and you were learning how to be a human in this world, you're looking at the examples around you. And this happens on like a psych psychological level, but also on kind of like a soul energetic level. This makes sense in both. But um, for survival, I mean, we look at the people that are older, that are wiser than us, you know, at, on a very subconscious level as we're um, infants and toddlers and young children because we think if they got to that age we need to mimic what they're doing in order to stay alive that long right mm -hmm. and so we take on their story about life we take on their story about money we take on their story about success and we think that that is our um our limitation or we think that's like our ultimate expansion we think that's our story we think that's what we're destined for on this like really deep subconscious level so it's not that we've ne we're not worthy or it's not that we can't have success or abundance. It's that we've taken on this story from this world around us. So channeling back to our abundance, I really believe is like coming back into ourselves, coming back into our de most default state, allowing ourselves to be ourselves, like figuring out that what that means for me when I was first figuring that out, I started with something as simple as like, what's my favorite color? Mm. Because I am such a people pleaser <laughs> my whole life. I would, my favorite color would be whatever the next person's favorite color was, you know what I'm like, I think I like purple. And they're like, I like pink. I'm like, yeah, me too. <laughs> you know, like, it was that kind of scenario when I was a kid. I just, and, and honestly, like I would ask myself, I'm like, well, what is my favorite color? And I would not be able to tell you because I was so far detached from really who I was and what I really felt inside because I was so focused on what everyone else around me was doing. And so yeah, it's this journey of coming back to ourselves, but I truly believe that if we can like release, release the um, limitations we put on ourselves, then we can actually come back to see that we, um, that we actually have everything that we need in, inside of us and it just acting in courage and moving forward with that knowing can allow it to come into our lives a lot faster, if that makes sense. <laughs> it makes, it makes, it makes a lot of sense that, um, yes, absolutely. So even, okay. even the fact that you, <laughs> that you were so humble to go back all the way to just figuring out what your favorite color is, a lot of people are not willing to do that. And I find mm -hmm. a lot of people, 
like you said before, they want like the quick fix. They want the big, huge thing to, to get rich quick, to heal fast. And then they continue on this pattern. Uh, but I find it really fascinating that you did that. And then I also wanted to touch on something because yesterday it was 14 years ago since your father passed away, correct? Mm -hmm, yes. So I wanted to ask you because um, a lot of, uh, 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 a lot of women that are following and that are listening to this podcast have had a lot of traumatic events in their life. So can you touch a little bit about how, how did you heal? What do you think is the role of healing and self-love when it comes to, to, to success? How did that journey affect your success or you as a person? Yeah, I mean, I think it's so multifaceted and so multi-layered because for me, it was like, it's this bittersweet thing because of course I never wished that it happened, but at the same time, I mean, losing my dad, but at the same time, there's also this beautiful silver lining because when I reflect on um, everything that happened in the years after, I mean, I definitely had my share of not being okay, you know, where I wasn't really facing my emotions, where I wasn't really facing what had happened, what I, when I wasn't allowing myself to feel and I was suppressing a lot of things. So I had five years where I was really, um, you know, not in the best space. However, um, through that time, regardless of that, I wasn't in a good space emotionally, it was like building up this fire inside of me and this passion, because this is where everything that kind of put me on the path that I am now started. It was this passion of like, I don't want to get sick. I don't want the people I love to get sick. And then it was like, I don't want to live a life where I'm not fulfilled and I haven't achieved what I want to achieve by the time that I, um, by the time that I, you know, face my deathbed and, uh, achieve what I want to achieve is more like the feeling that I get to have in life, you know, like what, how do I want to feel in life and how can I start feeling that now? And it was, yeah, it was this whole like process. And then I really believe there's aspects of myself that are still probably healing from that. But I think that when I was just talking about before about abundance, how it's kind of like, we have like this internal core that's abundance within us, but we put layers and layers and layers and layers of beliefs and expectations and, pain and trauma and all of these things on top of that to really allow ourselves to get back to that core sometimes we have to face that and the lesson really for me has been from one losing my dad but also all the other things that I've been through in my life as well is that um this there's actually a lot of things we can learn from those experiences a lot of times those experiences actually become our power they become um, one of some of the most beautiful aspects about us, even though they're extremely painful. So when we can face them and we can choose to heal and we can allow ourselves to heal or even just experience the emotions from those events in our life, then um, it actually makes us so much stronger as almost cliche as that sounds, but it does. I mean, it's really one of the most beautiful things, but it is definitely painful to go through. Absolutely. And I thought, um, I thought it was beautiful what you said about allowing yourself to continue to heal. I've spoken on grief a few times and it's like people have this perception of that things need to be a certain way when it comes to healing or grieving. Uh, but in reality, and even I, I, I think I read that you said that 
and it, it took me back to my grandfather. He passed away when I was in eighth grade and I still have moments where I get a little sad or a little excited because I visualize or I memorize our time together mm-hmm. and it's fine, but people put these extra expectations. And like you said, that's probably what you're talking about, these layers that they add to the already mm-hmm. Uh, (laughs) expectations that they already have and it makes it so much harder to be their true self when they continue to pressure themselves when they don't congratulate themselves and when they don't see the progress that they're making right yeah and I think it's like also it's this like fix it society where it kind of feels like oh it hurts fix it (laughs) right (laughs) these sorts of things don't need to be fixed like and that's like what I I wrote when I did a post about my dad yesterday and I wrote like I've always had this even though it was kind of subconscious for me I've always had this feeling that one day it's just going to be fixed and I'm gonna like you know and it's not that I ever expected that I wouldn't still miss my dad or I wouldn't still feel emotions about it but it was almost like I was wronging myself for the fact that it still hurt when I would think about it or that it um it was still not healed it was still not fixed but the the power that we actually have through healing and allowing ourselves to heal, which may potentially be a forever journey, you know, and the actual emotions that we have because of those scenarios can be our power. So it's like, when I feel a moment where I remember my dad, I also remember my purpose. Mm. And when I allow that to be infused in the way that I live, I think that's one of the most powerful things ever, because I always know I'm grounded in the right energy. My heart is in the right space my um you know like i'm i have the right motivation and i think that's that's powerful and it had you know not saying that if i didn't have that i couldn't do it because i don't believe we need necessarily something but if it's there it doesn't necessarily need to be fixed right that's that's not it It, we're allowed to grow through the pain we're allowed to grow with it it's allowed to be there with us and it doesn't mean it's a bad thing absolutely absolutely so using whatever pains we have whatever trauma um, to, to, to use it as a source to connect with ourselves a little deeper or reminding mm-hmm. ourselves, like you said, of your purpose or why you do what you do. Right. So that, I think that's pretty awesome because a lot of the things I've noticed that people have a really hard time interpreting their emotions and just looking at emotions as good or bad, instead of what is this emotion telling me, uh, mm-hmm. feeling so ashamed of feeling a certain emotion when in reality, this is the emotion that actually wakes you up to that. You need to create change. You need to take action. You need to do something different with your life. But obviously if you continue to sit on it, if you continue to dwell on it, then that's when it really becomes bad. So that's what I find a lot that the the emotional aspect that people find it hard to navigate through that. Yeah, absolutely. So great, great, great. I want to wrap it up with um, kind of a fun question. You call yourself a, a digital nomad, right? For the woman who doesn't know what that means, can you can you explain that and talk about it a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. It's so funny because when I first heard it, I was all like, what the heck is that? <laughs> and, but then when I became one, I was like, how do I explain what I am? And then I was like, oh, the word digital nomad is perfect. Um, but essentially, like, I guess another way that you could describe it is like a location independent entrepreneur. <laughs> but really what it's all about, like what, what happened with me is my husband and I in August last year decided to give up our home. We decided to give up our belongings. We sold most of our stuff to pursue a, 
uh, life of traveling until we found somewhere that felt like home or until our, you know, we felt like settling down somewhere, staying somewhere longer. So yeah, we started traveling last year in August, traveled mostly through Europe, a little bit of Africa, um, usually month by month, sometimes a bit shorter in places. Um, sometimes a bit longer, but it was all like every decision of where we were going next was based around what do we feel like doing? And now currently we're in Canada and we, we feel like staying here for a couple of, you know, a few months. So we're going to be here for a little bit longer, but digital nomad is essentially just the, the uh, ability to be able to not have a location because you are, your work is based online. Mm. So yeah. this, anybody can do this. Of course. Yes. Oh, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. So awesome. So finally, your book, Abundant Babe, and you also have a podcast, you are an Abundant Babe, both of them. Um, obviously, I know it's on Amazon. I know that for the podcast, you can search for it. If there is a particular way you would like to let the audience know where they can um, find find both of them and then also how to connect with you if they have any questions if they just simply want to follow you or whichever way amazing yeah so the hub for everything is probably my website which is violahug.com on there you'll see a book tab and a podcast tab you'll see my instagram my facebook and all the things so that's probably like the easiest way to get in touch i love hanging out on instagram stories you'll see me there being silly <laughs> and um i'm on facebook a lot as well uh my yeah my podcast is called abundant babes obviously searchable my book is you are an abundant babe i also have a facebook group called abundant babes a home for the visionary awesome awesome well thank you so much for being here it was awesome you provided a lot of value i know the audience got a lot from it so thank you for making this world a better place and for inspiring other women to do the same thank you so much for having me and thank you to everyone who's listening as well Take care. Bye-bye.